welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Nicole Milan Khan. Nicole is a freelance travel and social good writer based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nicole specializes in sustainable travel and shares her journey on her blog, www.thirdeyemom.com, and in other online and print publications. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Tess. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for stopping by on the show. Um, I have a bunch of questions, so let us get started. Um, so I wrote, I read that you were born in Minnesota. Um, what was it like for you growing up in Minnesota? Oh, geez, I want to say, yeah, you betcha, to make a joke <laughs> of, our, of our accent here. Um, I do have Scandinavian heritage, so it's kind of funny growing up here because my maiden name is Anderson. Mm-hmm. And back back in the day, there, like you'd go through the phone book and there would be hundreds and hundreds of Andersons and even my sister her name was Jennifer in the late 1970s which is even worse so she even had a friend and her with the exact same name Jennifer Anderson oh that's funny so (laughs) it was pretty funny but I had a really I had a I mean ever well not everyone I guess I'm really fortunate to say that I had a wonderful childhood Mm. I was raised in a beautiful suburb it was actually my grandparents home and then my parents bought it out over by Lake Minnetonka Uh and um, we grew up there as one of three kids and um, we actually had a swimming pool so growing up that our entire it sounds kind of crazy in Minnesota because it's freezing in the winter but (laughs) believe it or not it actually gets really hot here Mm -hmm. so all day all summer long all we did was swim and I was actually a swimmer for five years until I turned 13 and my hair started turning green Uh from the chlorine and I was getting teased in Uh middle school so I quit swimming oh (laughs) oh that's too bad but okay well so I also read that your your parents loved being outdoors and love mm-hmm. to travel, and that they took you and your siblings on trips as well. Did, now, did that travel influence how you viewed the world? Oh, incredible! It pretty much changed my life. Mm. Um, what's funny is that my parents, my dad was in the Navy, so oh. that was the first time he had ever traveled. He went around on the, a boat, uh-huh. and from doing that, I think it really opened his eyes. He did that before college to mm-hmm. help pay for it, mm-hmm. and so he really saw the world, and um, then when he and my mom fell in love, they actually eloped, oh. which is like almost unheard of in 1967, wow. and they were in Europe traveling around for three months. So just growing up, we always heard all these stories about what it was like to travel back then and how different it was. Mm -hmm. And I think just my father, like, he's kind of how I am. Like, I used to save every dime so I could travel. Mm -hmm. Work to travel, work Mm -hmm. to travel. Yep. So we did a lot of traveling growing up and spending time outside. Um, I did tons of hiking, biking, running, swimming. We all downhill skied. And then there's a lot of... um, pretty adventurous road trips that we used to take oh wow that's cool yeah that's really neat I mean can so one of the things that I read that I really want you to share is your story about your first trip to Europe at the age of 13 and and how did that trip impact you well basically before then we did a lot of like we'd pack up in the uh wood paneled station wagon we drive all over the place uh-huh. like we even drove drove all the way from minnesota to mexico which was really? pretty crazy back in the oh day oh my gosh wow and that was actually my first experience i was like six or seven years old and i'll never forget it because i had white blonde hair at the time and we drove ah, i don't know maybe six hours inside of mexico and i'll never forget when we got to the resort all the kids started chasing me and trying to touch <laughs> my hair because they'd never seen anybody that looked like me yeah but uh-huh. that I just remember that memory was very impactful so mm-hmm. it was kind of the first time I'd ever been somewhere different mm-hmm. and just remembering when we were driving looking and seeing 
how people lived in shacks along the highway. It was just so poor. And I still mm-hmm. remember that even today. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to Europe. Um, the funny thing about that is we actually, back when we went, it was very, very expensive to travel. Mm-hmm. And the way we got to go was we spent, I think two or three days in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport getting bumped Hmm. um, because the flights were overbooked and we were so mad at my parents. But then little did we know that by doing that, being miserable and like missing each flight and taking the money, we were able to fly our whole family to Europe for three weeks. Wow. So we went, my parents wanted to show me, first of all, like where they kind of re, not where they got married, but where my dad decided that he wanted to marry my mom so we went to Chamonix and looked at Mont Blanc but the thing that really changed my life was when we went to Paris because I'll just never forget like when I first saw the Champs-Élysées I was 13 and I just my eyes my mouth everything just like opened up and I just looked at my parents I said someday I am gonna live here I'm gonna Mm. learn French French I'm gonna study here I will live here and I did um my junior year in college oh that's awesome Wow, yeah. that's so cool. And you made it a reality. And it's funny because I had the same thing when I first, I mean, I majored in French in, in high school and college and, you know, and then I had the opportunity to live there for three months after um, after high school, actually, as my, co- mm-hmm. as my graduation present from my parents you know, which was amazing. And it really, it does change you, you know, because I was like, what, 18 years old? I was like, had no clue what was going on, you know, but I knew I wanted to go there. And and it's true. I saw the the tower, Eiffel Tower, and that just blew me away. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. yep, I I want this. I definitely want to come back. And I, I used to tell um, Micah way before like when we were still uh, yeah, we were still dating said don't get too serious because I'm planning on moving to Paris for a year <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know was that like, was so... always my plan too I'm like, I'm gonna... I kept going back I went back again mm. then a year later I lived in Marseille oh, and then I had cool. to come home my parents were like okay you need to get a job <laughs> And I was Reality. trying to figure out how I'd get back to Europe, but that's when right. I um, met my husband. So oh. it kind of changed the, my direction and that's what I was so going to do. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because so you went to UW-Madison and then went mm-hmm. to work in the corporate world. How long were you in that world before you decided, you know, that that was it for you? You know, like no more corporate and you wanted to get back into traveling. Um probably about 10 years like I lived oh. in Chicago with okay. my, and lived in Chicago I was in sales I never could really find the job that I wanted but I had to do whatever I could do I mean I was I think it's gotten really hard now but I was proud that at age 22 I moved to Chicago mm-hmm. to be near my boyfriend who's my husband now mm-hmm. and I lived on my own I paid my own bills mm-hmm. and I think it's really hard to do that oh, now yeah. because like it got so expensive yes. but anyways I wanted to do something with French and my love for travel mm-hmm. but I just couldn't quite frankly find anything yeah. and also I couldn't afford to pay the bills so I had right. to go into sales mm. which for me that definitely just I, wasn't very happy, but just had to do what I had to do. And the way right. I looked at it is every time I'd fly to meet a client, I'd get more miles. So ah, I could go on another trip. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And it's funny because that's how I, how I thought also when I was, I worked in the advertising industry. And, I, you know, I never really got into it. I was just not into sales. I was not. But my money would be on, like I would save my money. I'd have an, I had an apartment. I paid my bills. But whatever was left, I'd stock it away, and then I would be traveling. So my parents never mm-hmm. really knew, like, where the heck I was, <laughs> you know, because I was <laughs> never home. Um, and to this day, they're like, you know, they say the same thing. It's like, where are you now? And I'm like, well, but that's how I learned how to be around different cultures, you know, as, as mm-hmm. you did. You know, and it's, I think it's so impactful when you're able to do that, especially on your own, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! So from that trip, though, oh, okay. So, um, so tell me about your trip to Nepal in 2010 and how that 
affected you? Well, that trip, it was um, a culmination of a bunch of trips, like just to backtrack a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I travel a lot with my husband um, before we got married and after. Mm -hmm. And then um, I started doing a lot of traveling with my dad. Oh, cool. So once a year, we would do these trips. So the first big trip we did was we went to Peru and we hiked Machu Picchu. (gasps) And that, gosh, that was over 20 years ago now. So that was like our first major trip. Uh But then um, I shouldn't say got in the way, but I decided to have children or we decided (laughs) to have children, me and my husband. Uh I thought, oh, does that mean I was always trying to delay it because I always wanted to do one more trip with them. Mm -hmm. But little did I realize that my mom kind of made a promise with me. She said that once a year she will watch the kids. And she said her parents did that for her which I remember growing up like my parents traveled a lot and uh-huh. then my grandparents would come and stay with us oh. so it was a wonderful way to really get to know my grandparents well and uh-huh. then also my parents could still travel so my mom did that for me wow. so my dad and I we went to South Africa Argentina Chile China Australia Bolivia Iceland oh we hiked gosh. in Europe and then in 2010 um we decided to try to do this Nepal hike. Mm. So basically then um, I think both of us, like I was turning 40 and my dad was turning 70. Oh, and cool. we just thought this would be a really cool trip to do. Yeah. And we read an article in the New York Times that talked about this really amazing company that organized the trek. And we hired um, a local guide. So it was just me and my dad and our local guide and a porter, and that was it. Wow. And for two weeks, we hiked around together. Oh, my goodness. How cool is that? And what a great yeah, way. It seems like forever ago now. <laughs> I want to go back. Oh, what a great way, yeah. though, to celebrate your milestone birthdays, right? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It was, it, was, it was pretty amazing, just, like, just what we saw. I mean, basically, you get up every morning, and, I mean, I think at the... For this point, we're 10 days walking from the nearest road. Hmm. So you're just really, really in the Himalayas, and you're walking through these remote rural villages. And I think one thing that impacted me a lot was just seeing I'd never, I mean, I'd seen poverty in Mexico and Peru, but just seeing places where they lacked, I mean, electricity, drinking Mm -hmm. water, schools, Mm -hmm. the kids would have to walk hours on foot each day just to get an education. And I think that was kind of like a aha moment for me. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm this late in life and I had no idea that, I mean, I knew, but Mm -hmm. just to see it is much different and experience it for yourself than to just read about it. So it was a pretty life-changing trip for me. Well, so from that trip, was that what, um, was that where you decided to raise funds for Read Global? I mean, what is Read Global about? Well, well, basically before the trip, Mm -hmm. actually, I did two things. So before the trip, let me see, I'm trying to think back. So my kids were two and four, they're really little Mm -hmm. and I wasn't working. And I just remember I was telling my friends that I'm going on this trip and they're just like, what? doing what like nobody (laughs) does that or at least not my friends they thought I was kind of crazy but they're also it also made me realize how lucky and fortunate I was to be able to do this yes I mean with two little kids right and at that time I remember reading the book um Half the Sky by oh yes I love that book yes 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 and that book that book actually I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yep. You know, I'm just sitting here, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I read this book and I'm like, you know what? Everybody's saying, wow, you get to go to Nepal and do this. So mm-hmm. I decided before I went, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why don't I try to see if I can raise some money? So I did wow. all these random things like I, um, what did I do? I did like co-op babysitting for all the parents. Like all the kids would come over and then they donate money. Huh. I did garage sales. And I just did a bunch of different types of things to Mm -hmm. fundraise. Mm -hmm. And then I researched based on that book, I found out about Read Global and they um, build reading centers in Nepal and I think Bhutan and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I was able to raise enough money and get enough match donations to help build a reading center. 
Wow. So when I went there, it was kind of cool because I knew that I'd done this before. Yeah. And then I had the experience. It was so amazing and impactful. And I uh. connected with the local people. And then when I got back mm-hmm. to the trucking company we went with, I heard about another organization called Hands in Nepal. Mm. And I'm not sure if they're still doing anything now, but for a couple of years, I'd have parties at my house and I would sell all handmade goods from Nepal to raise money to help um, support a school. Oh my gosh, that's wild. That is so yeah, cool. Yeah, so it was really cool. It was, it was really, I loved it. It was very fun. And I think what I realized from that is, is that anybody can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to go to Nepal. You can do make a difference in your local community. Right. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. And I think for me, it was very empowering. Yeah. To know that anybody can make a difference. Yeah. Oh I mean, my you gosh. Just have to try, and that's what that's what happened with me with this experience. It really mm. changed my life. I came back, and I had always been a writer. Like I'd kept travel journals. I probably have twenty or thirty of them mm-hmm. saved in the basement. Uh-huh. So, right around that time, blogs were coming out. So yep. when I came back, I'm like, well, why don't I start a blog? So mm-hmm. I started my blog. Third Eye Mom, which I took, I didn't know much about branding or naming back then. I just decided to do this for fun. Uh-huh. And Third Eye Mom is because when I, there's a story in Nepal, one day we hiked up, I think, to like 12 or 13,000 feet in this wow. village called Manan. Uh-huh. And there is um, a 90-year-old cave monk that lives there. And he blessed oh my me. Gosh. And I have this picture of me, and he's like putting on the prayer beads. Huh. And I got a third eye where they put the dots. Oh. And so I just decided, oh, that is such a cool name. It's like wisdom and viewing the world with an open mind. And I just threw mom in because I'm a mom. And wow. I don't know why. No, that's it just brilliant. Kind of stuck. Oh, my gosh. I love that story. And, and yeah, you know, so you had your experience. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so cool. And it's funny, you mentioned Half the Sky. I love that book. By the way, I went to, I managed to get into when they had the premiere for that in Manhattan. And I was so close to meeting Nick Kristoff, and I've yet to meet him. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. that. I, I, he is such, he's so amazing. He and, and mm-hmm. his wife. And, and, you know, so I read the book. I saw the film. And it was funny enough, you know, way before I started my podcast, you know, one story that really stuck with me was w- the one with New Light Kolkata. And this woman, mm-hmm. Ermi mm-hmm. Basu, started it, you know. Um, and I'm like, wow, I would love to meet her one day. And I just, that, that story stuck with me for some reason. So maybe a year later, I'm in Manhattan with my sister-in-law and Micah. And, you know, like we were at the, at a bookstore of all places. And I'm off wandering, and my sister-in-law was meeting up her friends, you know, two friends, and then Micah mm-hmm. comes over to me at some point and said, babe, I think you need to come back to where my sister is. It's like, no, it's okay. She's meeting with her friends. No, I really think you need to come back and meet somebody. <laughs> and then, sure enough, I woke, I walk over there, and I'm like, oh, it was Ermi Basu. I'm like, oh, my wow. gosh. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I saw you on the documentary, and I read about it, and, and so she started cracking up. I was like, oh, I must have I seemed like a, I, I must have seemed like a, a crazy fan right and she's she all she was so gracious mm-hmm. though and so lovely and she says tell you what you know what why don't we meet for dinner one day next week and I'm like oh, oh my gosh so we did we did and That's it was amazing. incredible so she and I had dinner and then when I had my podcast you know we we con- kept connected we we actually stayed connected and wouldn't you know it she was on my show she was on she became oh, a guest so on my cool. show yes and then she says wow. and she says yes i know i still owe you a, a connection to nick to nick christoph <laughs> i was like yeah, because she's so really cool. good friends with him and i'm like oh my Ooh. god you know i really would love to meet i was like i know i know <laughs> it's like but yeah apparently they've been very very good friends for years and so she started laughing when i said you know oh my gosh i've been such a fan and blah blah and uh, so she was just like okay okay don't worry <laughs> i was like but she's just so lovely can you imagine like that whole circle it was just like out of I don't know it was just mm-hmm. it just happened and so when you were talking about half the sky I'm like oh, that book made such an impact on me and to this day mm-hmm. I will always thank it thank you know 
thank the fact that I, I was I was I got to see that documentary, and that I was able mm-hmm. to meet Urmi. So, but you know, it's funny. Like you, you, things happen, like you said, right? Yeah, and and you just mm-hmm. don't realize what you're gonna um, come upon, and unless you make that, you know, make that move, right? Until you yep. make that journey. So, and and a part of your journey too was your blog, and it's so cool because so you launched Third Eye Mom, um, mm-hmm. and you know then you became involved with World Moms Network. Now was that part of what you wanted to do with your blog to get involved with um, World Moms? I'm trying to think. No, I was just writing, and um, I I can't. It was right at the beginning of mm-hmm. my blog, and I was just starting to write, I think, some of the stories. And I don't know which post it was, mm-hmm. but Jennifer Burden, the founder of World Moms Network, mm-hmm. she reached out to me like she found one of my posts and said, oh, I'm starting this really cool um, blog for moms around the world talking about what it's like to be a mother mm-hmm. and social good option opportunities to write about. And she just reached out, so I just started writing for her, and it was probably, I mean, it had to be like 10 years ago. Wow. But what's so cool about this world is that um, it's just to connect, like what you were saying before about the connections. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, because of Jennifer, somehow or another, we kept in touch, and I decided to go to my first ever blogging con- conference called mm-hmm. Blogger. Uh-huh. And I went to that, uh, I don't even know, it was like nine or 10 years, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> And when I went there, then I met other, I was introduced to other people in the field, such mm-hmm. as 1.org used to have oh, a sure. group of mom, mom bloggers yep. for them who would write about social good issues. Mm-hmm. And so I met them. And then I also met another woman, Jennifer James, from yeah. Social Good Moms, also yes. called Mom Bloggers for Social Good. Yep. So what I started to do is, started writing a lot more about humanitarian issues mm-hmm. and we worked on campaigns just to raise awareness awareness using our audience about different things like safe drinking water maternal and newborn health food issues poverty so that that was very life-changing mm. and um because of that, i've just kept opening doors back in the day i think th- i think the window on this has changed a lot yeah. Because back when I was doing this, there was really just not a lot of people doing blogs, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have social media, so there weren't influence like YouTube influencers and all that. It was just you'd write these blogs and people would read them. Yes. But back back in the day, um, because of that, I got opportunities to go to some pretty amazing places that I I don't think I ever would have traveled to them had Mm -hmm. I not had the blog. Like I got to go to. India with Jennifer James, where mm. we worked on, um, we went into some of the slums in New Delhi and mm. saw some of the work that's being done there to help the people. And I also went to Haiti twice. Oh, wow. And I did some different work there and um, Kenya, Nicaragua, and probably the craziest was Ethiopia. I went on a trip there with um, a reporting fellowship, and then we did work on newborn and maternal health, and it's just the places I would probably never travel to really? if okay. it wasn't for work. So it was just yeah. really pretty, it just really opened my eyes to wow. what the possibilities are. Yeah, so of and all... And also what you can learn and how you can help people. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but of all the places you've traveled to, you traveled the world pretty much. Which one do you think has made such an impact on you? Oh, I don't, I, you know what? I is it hard to, is it hard to say. choose? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can because every place has made an impact mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say probably the places that have made the most impact on me have been the hardest places. Mm. Like, for instance, when I went to Haiti the second time uh-huh. and I, we drove across like for six hours across these just absolutely insane roads. I mean, the roads are almost worse than like places in Africa I've been. Wow. With so many potholes. And there's just, just, I think, just seeing the need and the poverty. And it's mm. yet, people think of it, I think, a lot of times negatively, but yet I'd also seen there's so much beauty there. Like they have so much culture 
and they have like this incredible artesian network of mm-hmm. amazing art. Mm-hmm. So they and they have a very beautiful country. It's just been ravaged by hurricanes and mm. earthquakes and right. corruption. Yeah. So I think some of that, and then also being places where I felt I think what what has been really impactful too is going to a place mm-hmm. and then feeling like you you totally don't fit in at all like or you're treated differently Mm -hmm. than like for instance in some places I've been I've been treated differently as a woman of their own country would be different because I'm western Uh, like the women don't have the same rights and that's some eye-opening for me as well and then also places where I've been where I look like totally out there like mm-hmm. I don't fit in at all where I'm the only person with blonde hair and blue eyes mm-hmm. I, I look like an alien <laughs> compared to everyone else but for me I think it, it helps bring a lot of understanding because like even our my own hometown city it's become so compared to when I grew up here like we have mm-hmm. people from all over the world now and mm-hmm. there's just been a lot of issues and I think it's really important to see what it feels like to feel different and uncomfortable and out of place oh yeah and try to understand what your culture is like and understand the culture you're in so those have probably i think been way more impactful than like europe and i mean which is cool and amazing but Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. when you go to places that are kind of hard or you feel lost i think that's the best place oh wow that makes sense okay um so you were also recently um involved with a nonprofit. Um, organization mm-hmm. helping to to bring safe drinking water to uh, safe drinking water solutions to Central America. How did that mm-hmm. project come about? Um, that came about. Let's see. I was just looking for a change because my kids are getting older and I have more time. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think I ran and I met the founder somewhere and then when I saw the position open up I applied it was for a marketing and communications position uh-huh. and it was really a, a really cool experience because I was thinking maybe of going into working for nonprofit mm-hmm. so I just wanted to see what it would be like um, but it was a, a wonderful experience because all the people like there's only three of us in the US and then everybody else was either was in Central America and none of them spoke English, so I started wow. taking <laughs> Spanish during COVID. I took Spanish online through um, a college uh-huh. just to see if I could learn to communicate better with them. Right. And yeah. then it was just really cool. Like, right before I stopped working with them, I actually got to go to Honduras. Oh, and wow. finally, after three years, I got to see, like, I spent an entire day going and seeing them um, put in a coordinator in oh, a community wow. that never ever they so basically the water it's very mountainous and it all comes down uh-huh. but then it can get um, dirty very quickly with animals or whatever right. and then people are drinking dirty water and mm. getting sick and it's one of the leading causes of death for children under five Wow. And it's actually not very expensive at all to, to put chlorinator into the water tank. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, work we were doing. We'd raise money and then put in a chlorinator into the water tank and then get buy-in from the community. Like they would pay a small fee so they felt like they could own this project and be trained oh. on it and how to manage it. So oh, it was really, wow. a, really, a, really a cool opportunity for me just to see it firsthand. That's really neat. And how long did that project um, taken effect before the water was able to be chlorinated and like, become safe drinking oh, water? It's, it's once you have the chlorinator in there mm-hmm. and you run through the water, it's good to go. Really? That quick? Yeah. So oh they, my gosh. Yeah, they, they custom install them. They have people that go out and then it takes maybe, depending on the project, it might take a few hours or so forth and then they put a little chlorinator in, you put the chlorine tablet in, and it just runs through the water, and it gets piped. Wow. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, so has that has that type of invention or innovation been suggested to different parts of the world? Like, I mean, Africa or... or yeah. It, yeah, it has, but like, I think the situations are different, like, depending on, like, some people have wells, uh. and it's just a different, but with this, um, because um, Central America, the guy that 
the founder, uh-huh. who was in the Peace Corps. And uh-huh. so this was a Peace Corps project that he started oh. maybe 13 years ago. Uh-huh. And he's an engineer, and he came up with a, some, a very cost-effective solution. Mm-hmm. But it works best in a place where you have a lot of water already being collected. Got so okay. in Central America, a lot of these mountainous communities, they mm-hmm. have a tank of water, and the water is coming down from a source up high in the mountain. Right. Trickles down, they collect it. In the t- so it's not like that in a lot of other, like Africa, they right. don't have that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So definitely different topographies help. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it, it probably could work in other countries, but this is a pr- pretty small right. nonprofit that specializes in Central America. Okay. The model there, so. Huh. Okay, well, so... How has the pandemic affected your, I mean, it affected everyone, but how did that affect your, um, your traveling? Uh, let's see, basically, like everybody, we, can, I can't, we canceled everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's kind of sad, but I guess there's a lot of things that, a lot of things that are more sadder than this. But for me, like, I was kind of at the height mm-hmm. where things were starting to really turn around. Right. And um, then everything got canceled. And I basically just completely stopped mm. blogging. I stopped this form of my work. Mm-hmm. I just kept working with the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And then since I had extra time, I decided to take two years. I did two years of Spanish classes online. Oh, wow. cool. Okay. And then okay. I volunteered. I volunteered with the COVID vaccine shop oh, cool. for, for a while. Uh-huh. So I just was kind of keeping busy. Yeah. And then um, my first, our first like big trip we did was last summer. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so I've just slowly kind of been getting back into it and yeah. seeing where things going are going. But it's probably a good time for me because I'm at a point in my life where I can finally go back and follow my dreams, which was my dream from probably age 22 is that I wanted to work as a travel writer Mm. and just raising kids and having a life where you have to travel to do your work right for me that just i could go on a couple trips a year but i mean i just for me it wasn't an option Mm -hmm. i just wanted and i'm very grateful that i've been able to stay home and raise the kids but in three years like one year my son will be in college and then three years my daughter so things are going to open up in yeah. my life, and I made the decision that I wanted to just go for it and mm-hmm. go back to what my original plan and dream was. It's changed a bit along the way, and right. I think, I mean, I look back now, and we didn't even have the internet. Like, I'm dating myself, but <laughs> we didn't even have the internet when I right. studied abroad, and I feel like sometimes my life maybe would have been different with my career choices had that been a choice. Mm-hmm years mm-hmm. ago but yeah. I'm just kind of I'm still I'm kind of just going with it and yeah. gonna feel things out and see what happens uh, that's really cool so how was it when you finally got to travel last summer was that weird like being it was, in the- stress- <laughs> it, it was stressful because this is a funny story so we finally decided we're gonna go to Iceland oh I love Iceland before. I love Iceland <laughs> oh my gosh okay yeah yeah yeah, I'd been there with my dad, and uh-huh. I wanted to go back with the kids, and right. it seemed like an easy shot. I mean, it's only a five-hour. We have a non-stop flight from Minneapolis to Iceland there, only mm-hmm. like five-hour, five, six-hour flight. Yep. It seemed like a safe bet, but <laughs> that was right at, like, when the pandemic was still kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Even though we're all vaccinated, you had to, all four of us had to take a test uh-huh. to make sure we could get in the country, and yep. then we knew we had to take a test to get out. Right. So we go on the trip, and I think that's when the Delta variant was starting oh. to go around a lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we were trying to be careful. I mean, most of the trip was outside hiking, mm-hmm. but we you know, we were still wearing our masks when we were inside and mm-hmm. not really eating out that much. And then at the time, because of um, the size of Iceland, mm-hmm. there was only one place you could get the test, and you had to have it two days before you left. Ooh. And like they're really strict about that. Yeah. So we bought we bought the tests that were proctored by um, a company because we were way in the middle. We did the Ring Road trip. We drove oh, all sure. the way around Iceland. Uh-huh. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's absolutely nowhere to get the test. <laughs> so we all took two days before we got ready, and um, we took the home test. Uh-huh. 
all four of us, and we're all nervous. Everybody does it, and then we're waiting for the results. Kids are fine, my two teenagers. Then my husband gets his, fine. And um, everybody in the family had COVID before uh-huh. the trip, uh-huh. except me. I was the only one who never had it, and that was like a year before this trip. Uh-huh. So then when we're on the trip, the last result comes in, it was me, and it was positive. Oh, my gosh. Oh and my I probably gosh, had what you're, not supposed, what you're not supposed to do in travel is you're supposed to go with the flow. You're not supposed to freak out. Things can't always go right. Yeah. You're supposed to be calm. But what do I do? Me and my daughter start crying because oh. Oh. she's supposed to start high school, a new high school. Oh, jeez. And we knew back then it would be 10 days plus. You have to, Iceland is so expensive. It yep. would have cost those 10 days of being stuck would have been more like almost as much as the whole trip. Yes. So yeah. meanwhile, we're in my favorite part mm. of Iceland, the south of Iceland, and I had all this stuff planned. And we oh still had gosh. two more days of being together. I had, they made me wear like five masks. <laughs> oh, and no. they barricaded me in one in a room and we drove with all the windows down. We didn't go out to eat. And everybody was miserable. And I oh said, you gosh. know what? It was just, it was actually really, it was terrible because we were so worried and there wasn't a lot of guidance back then. We didn't know if, if I had it and they were in close contact, could they even go home or were we all stuck there for 10 days? So we finally go to the one place just to do a follow-up test, like the day before the flight's supposed to leave mm-hmm. and I'm looking for hotels. It's hardly anything and it was going to cost an arm and a leg. And, um, I went in there and we took the test and it was negative. So I had a false positive. Oh, wow. That's a I good started thing. crying. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. Oh, because it was just so stressful. So that was our first big trip oh my since gosh. COVID. And it, I don't know. Like, I look back and it's, I think a lot of us, just, it's been so hard. You don't know what to do. And, yeah. and it's obviously not, you know, going away, but that was the trip and you also and i mean you also had like you know you don't know what's next right there's like all these variants coming up and you're like now what (laughs) now what how do you prepare for that you know um but yeah yeah i mean i think this is going to be with us for a while but oh my gosh i can't believe poor you oh geez well, you know, I mean, I'm kind of glad that you now got it, so you're fine, <laughs> you know. Now oh, I didn't, no, it. I didn't get it. Oh, that's, no, that's right, you're false positive, that's right. Oh, yeah, boy. I never okay. got it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> so. As far as I know, as far as I know. As far as you know, you, ne- you haven't gotten it. Okay. Oh, man. Hopefully you don't, because that would just be crazy. Um, <laughs> so. With all of this travel, I mean, has have your children been inspired to travel as well? And do they like it as oh, much as boy. you do? <laughs> yes. yes, I created a monster my teenage daughter. <laughs> so in June, we went to Italy, the two of us, because she has a program in her high school where she can study abroad and it's part of her program. How cool. So she actually wants to study in Italy. Oh, that's awesome. So we went there to, we went there to say I wanted to see how she would do, how she'd handle herself. She's only 15, so I just mm-hmm. wanted to see... Like, mm-hmm. how would she deal on another? I mean, she's been, she's traveled before, but I just wasn't, I just wanted to really see what she'd be like. And so, yes, I've created that. <laughs> and my my son likes to travel, but he's more like, he likes the hiking trip mm. more. He likes okay. to hike. But I really hope both of them have the opportunity to also study abroad because it just really, it changes your life, your oh, mindset. Yeah. If you've never get, get out of the U.S., I mean, every yep. place so different. Yep, for sure. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool though. If your daughter does get to go and live there, what a what a gift for her, right? Mm-hmm. What a way to like yeah. really get to experience living in a different country and getting to know people. Um, <clears throat> it's funny because when my daughter was six years old, that was her first international trip when we went to Thailand. And, mm. you know, she still remembers it. You know, she did a yep. scrapbook and the whole thing, and she was just blown away with how different everything was from the food to the culture. And, you know, it was just, it was crazy. But she really, she really took to it. So, you know, fast forward, mm-hmm. 
three or maybe four years ago, well, she was still in college, um, she, unbeknownst to us, she applied to uh, um, a fellowship program to shadow um, physicians in, in a different country. And so we were like, oh, I mean, I had, we had no clue that she was even doing this. The only way we found <laughs> out, yeah, the only way we found out was when we got the call saying congratulations and blah, blah, And I'm like, excuse me, what, what is this? And then, <laughs> and that's when she said to me, well, just, I didn't want to tell you guys in case it didn't go through. And I'm like, but it was, wow. it was crazy. She, so she got to go to Italy and shadowed surgeons in ER, which is what she wanted to do which is what she, wa she wanted to become a doctor. And it's so funny because even on top of that, she also got accepted to a program in Fordham, I'm sorry, in Georgetown. <laughs> same, it was the same, like in the, the two summer programs, one internationally and one in Georgetown. And so she was like, mom, which one do I choose? And I'm like, well, definitely international, <laughs> you know, cause mm -hmm. that would be a yeah. great way for you to like really experience it if you want to become a doctor why not you know and she loved it she had such she I, you know i was a little nervous for her because other than the one in thailand she had never been really uh, she'd never lived out of the country so i was nervous mm -hmm. but she really took to it she was just like okay i want to do this and and it, awesome. it, it really changed her perception about you know people in different countries and and how we are you know how we're seen over there too so but I think it's such a great, it's such a great lesson for young people, you know, for anyone really, mm -hmm. you know, to get out of, like you said, to get out of the U.S. and see how other people are, see how other people live, because um, that's when you'll understand, you know, each other, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so is, is there someone you would credit for where you are now? Oh, I, for sure my parents. Mm. Um, just because they're the ones who, they've traveled way more than me, and they're the ones who always inspired me and obviously brought me mm -hmm. to travel and kind of pushed me to just go for it. And then, of course, my husband. Because mm. so, he's always been very supportive, and the times I've had to go, like he stayed with my mother and oh. young kids and helped out. And, wow. Yeah. So, And yeah. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more travel with him down the road. Oh, that's awesome. Would he live in a different country like you? Uh, yeah, I think we, we would love it. I mean, you never know how things go in life, but I would love to do like Airbnbs where you can like stay somewhere for a while, get mm. to know people. Mm -hmm. I really like that type of travel. That's my favorite yeah. is when you're immersed with locals. And I try to do a lot of local based travel like mm -hmm. where you can stay with people and live with people. Right. Or, I mean, I think that's the best part of travel. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. That'd be so cool if you when you get to do that. Okay. Um, so, moving forward, you know, you have now the travel is opening up again. Um, what are your What are your goals going forward? And if on top of that, is there something you haven't yet tried that you would like to do? Um, well, I think going forward is especially in three years for my daughter when I'm an em we're empty nesters mm -hmm. I'm gonna probably try to really go a little more crazy and <laughs> and really see a lot more places I, yeah. I've been kind of saving a lot of like Asia because mm. it's just, there's so much to see I mean I've been to China Japan and India and Nepal but mm -hmm. I really want to like really explore there and see more of Africa mm -hmm. And just like really dig deeper into it, and then also since I'm transitioning more to a freelance travel, travel writer, yeah. I'm hoping to to get published, start getting published in oh. um, larger publications than my own, yeah. and improve my photography. Since I'm having some photos are going to be published soon, and um a travel magazine oh cool so it's kind of a small travel magazine but i'm still excited so yeah, just that I mean, kind of stuff and then i have to get back to giving back more because mm. that part of me now is now that i'm not working with a nonprofit as much as i used to uh -huh. um just for me it's always important to get back and it doesn't even have to be internationally like i like to 
even help locally, help mm-hmm. kids like with school or find some type of volunteer work. Right. Well, yeah, we didn't I realize even... that. Realize that I've been very fortunate in life, and yeah. like, there's a lot of people that just don't have the support or the means to do this. Yes. And I mean, even talking about traveling, it sounds a little bit. Sometimes you feel a little bit guilty because so mm-hmm. many people I've met around the world, and even in this own country. Mm-hmm. They could never have the money or the means to ever leave or do right. that. Right. So I, I realize that, and that's why I'm very committed to giving back and helping because mm. I realize that I'm blessed with that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, we didn't even talk about your photography because you are a photographer. And it's like, whoa, wait, yeah, we didn't even discuss that. Do you still do oh, photography? that's okay. I'm kind of, I'm an aspiring photographer. We'll put uh, it in fact. Okay, okay. I'm learning. And You're that's learning. something I want to be more committed to because I, I put a lot of the photos on my blog that I use, but I want to try to improve my photography just because I love it. Mm, okay. So that's, a, that's a future goal. Okay, so that's something that you Oh, and have. then also I got to gotta get more fluent in Spanish. It's been <laughs> taking forever, but... Oh, it's okay. I quit French years ago, but Spanish is another thing that's on the agenda. But I think I have to like live in a country where yeah. I can't speak English and only Spanish to really get that going more. Right, be more immersed. Wow, that would be really cool. By the time your daughter is off to college, you know, then you'll be fluent, hopefully earlier than that, and then you can just go and start speaking the language. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, is there anything you would like to say to the listeners? Um, I think really what's important is even if you um, can't make it like in the beginning, for 10 years I struggled. I always, let's say I didn't hate, but I wasn't very happy. But I mean, you have to pay the bills. Just never give up on that dream. Even Mm -hmm. like if you keep it as a side gig or a hobby. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's so important because this is something I've always wanted to do. And I mean, 10, 11 years of blogging, hours and hours of my Mm. heart went into it. Nothing, I've never been paid. I mean, I guess I got to go on some, you know, those press trips were covered, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like I was making money with it. It was just, I was so, I'm so passionate about travel. I love Mm. seeing the world, sharing it with other people. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of been my project my love project in a way so that's kind of the advice is just to go for it and I mean you have to take risks and chances like people think I'm nuts that I got on a plane by myself and I flew to Oman Jordan but I mean Mm. that was one of the best trips I ever did like you just yeah you have to take I don't know just like in life in general if you don't put yourself out there you're not going to get anywhere Mm -hmm. sometimes I beat myself up I'm way too hard on myself I'm demand a lot of myself I have no idea why but Mm. if I turn that around into the positive then I probably wouldn't have done or kept up with some of the stuff for so long so that's I guess my advice okay and so if you had one thing to change and that you wish you had done years ago what would it be this sounds bad I don't know if I would have changed anything because all the good and the bad and especially all the hard times kind of made me who I am Mm mm-hmm so, I mean, it would have been it would have been nice if the internet would have been out <laughs> because things would have been a lot. A I lot think easier. back now and I'm like, it just would have been so much easier. Yeah, sort of all these sure. handwritten notebooks, but yep. mm-hmm. nothing I can change about. My dad always tells me this quote, which really helps. He always says, "Dream, don't dwell." Oh. So I try to look forward, move forward, and not look back. I might reflect on it in good memories, but. I love that he, he's very inspiring. He always tells me these things like when you're going through hard times. And so just keep moving, keep going forward. And wow. I think that's the thing too about travel is you keep moving, you go on those trips, it keeps you young. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and my last question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? What it, um, probably just to not be so hard on myself. Mm. Like, did I really need to, to kill myself to get a 3.8 in French and international relations when I ended up working in sales and then I quit my job to be a stay-at-home mom? No. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why did I do that? What was I trying to prove? That's probably just because school wasn't 
didn't come super easy. So I wanted to work hard to mm-hmm. prove to myself that I could do it. But yeah. I think that would be the advice I'd tell myself. Don't be so hard on yourself. And guess what? Fast forward to this age, I'm still like, Nicole, don't be so hard on yourself. I'm still hard on myself. So I guess it's advice I should tell myself all the time, every day. Wow. I love that. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your stories. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you're so passionate about travel, as am I. Um, But I definitely, you definitely have more like experiences than I have had. Um, And I wish you luck. I really hope your travel writing um, dream job keeps going. And, you know, and I hope you do get published and, you know, keep going because I I think you're making such a huge impact on so many who are reading your, you know, your writings. Um, From what I've seen from your last trip, it was so cool to just like read about your adventures, your experiences, um, especially for people, like you said, who can't really do that, um, but are mm-hmm. able to transport themselves at least temporarily into a different mindset, you know? Um, so yeah. I think it's really incredible that you've gone through so much. Um, and going back into your your original love, which is travel. So, and oh, writing. Thank you. And I, I wish you, you so much luck. And, and please keep me posted because I definitely want to, like, you know, support you and, and um, read about your writings and, you know, promote whatever you come up with. Um, and, again, you know, keep going. I think it's so cool that, you know, even in this day and age, especially now, you know, that you have your children who are so into travel as well. You know, it, I think it's really amazing that, they want to do that as well, you know, from what you've, because of what you started, you know, you and your dad, what you started, so. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you again, and I will speak with you soon. Okay, have a good day. You too, bye. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Nicole Melancon on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.